Welcome to the third season of The Morning Glory Project, Stories of Determination. I'm your host, Betsy Graziani-Fassbinder, and together with my co-producer, Angela Washington, we bring you really amazing stories of amazing people. I'm so lucky that I get to have these conversations and to share them with you. These are conversations with people who have overcome, people who have endured, people who have gone on when others might not have. They've overcome losses or tragedies, disappointments and heartbreaks, or they've seen a goal and pursued it to its end. And what I'm really fascinated by is they don't just share that they had these stories or that they lived them, but how, what were their inspirations? What were the resources they used? What ideas kept them going? How did they dig deep and find what they needed to find to go on? Because it's my belief that when we learn how someone else got through hard times or found their goals, that we learn how we might be able to do the same. Thank you so much for listening to the Morning Glory Project. And if you like what you hear, give us a like or a share on your social media site or golly, use the good old-fashioned word of mouth and tell a friend about us. We love sharing these stories with other people. Thanks for listening. Today on The Morning Glory Project, I bring a special guest, especially in a number of ways. I have known Elizabeth Appel as a writer, friend, and acquaintance in my writing world for some time and have admired her for many years for her tenacity and her creativity as a novelist, as a poet, as a playwright, as a screenwriter. She's just done it all and she's always found a way through. But today I bring her for a special reason and she contacted me after we haven't seen each other for some time. Like so many of us in the COVID era, we miss each other. When Elizabeth was enjoying lunch with a dear friend, she began to feel peculiar. And the next thing she knew, she was waking up in the hospital after surgery, following a sudden stroke. To her great good fortune, Elizabeth's friend had been in the audience of a one-woman show of another Morning Glory Project guest, Dr. Diane Barnes, who wrote and performed Stroke of Luck, in which she shares her own story of suffering a stroke, along with tips for identifying and helping others having a stroke. That sounds like an Escher drawing, doesn't it? <laughs> but she instantly called 911, and because of speedy help, Elizabeth's recovery has been nearly miraculous. Elizabeth is a playwright, screenwriter, novelist, and filmmaker. Her play, Confessions of a Catholic Child, has won many competitions. The play was produced in San Francisco and Los Angeles. Her plays, Chalk Lines and Moonwalkers, were both semifinalists at the O'Neill. Squawk the Musical was tapped by Apples and Oranges New York for development sessions and had its first reading in late 2019. We can imagine what happened later after that. <laughs> More recently and currently, she's working on Elements of Betrayal, a limited series, The Family Trick, a play about a woman who slips into the nether looking for the truth about her family. The play was just shortlisted by the London Playwrights. Elizabeth Appel, thank you so much for being with the Morning Glory Project today. I'm so happy to have you. Oh, Betsy, I'm very happy to be here. Well, and I'm happier still that you're here. <laughs> Not just that you're here with me, but that you're here with us. Elizabeth, can you tell us and tell our listeners about that day, that having lunch with your friend? Well, my story begins when I wake up 
because I really had no warning that something was happening to me. I was holding a cup of tea. I spilled my tea. I looked over and said, oh, look, Lee, I spilled my tea. And it looks like I wet my pants. <laughs> and we were last, I thought we were laughing. And that was my exit from this scene. Hmm. So spoken only like a playwright would say it. That was your exit from the scene. <laughs> <laughs> and then I woke up and these amazing white coats, bright faces surrounding me saying, what is your name? Elizabeth Appel. Where are you? Well, I must be in Marin General Hospital. If I look around, they said, no, you're not. They said, you're in UC." SF, University of California, San Francisco, on Parnassus. And I was, how did I get here? How, how did, why am I here? And uh, they were telling me that I had had a stroke. But for me, it, it's not managing the stroke because I was, I've came away unscathed to a degree. I can walk, I can talk. I can write, thank God. That's my everlasting savior. But I'm not the person I was right now. I'll, I'm, I'm hoping to get back to be that person. You feel different now than you did before. I feel different. I feel fragile. I feel very grateful uh, and fortunate. And um, it, it's hard to explain because I... My, my energy has changed. It's lower. Well, and I can say, Elizabeth, too, knowing you, that you're so quick-witted and so fast-thinking and so creative and ingenious with words. And I can hear that you struggle to find the word to say what you want to say. So things must be doubly frustrating for a, a word slinger like you to have trouble retrieving that as quickly, you're still, you know, bright and brilliant and marvelous. I don't mean to sound insulting. I'm just saying that I can tell that it takes you more effort to, to pull those <laughs> words from the ether than it once did for you. Yeah. I, I'm discovering that words don't necessarily grow out of our brains. They grow out of our energy and our spirit. Mm. And I think that's what has happened. I've lost some of that energy and that spirit. If I'm in my room by myself with my computer and I'm working on this um, limited series, that's a complicated story. I, I have finished the pilot. I got a note back from a producing company yesterday that was very encouraging, which was amazing because I've written a good deal of it post-stroke. So that that's really good for me. That's put some more fuel in my tank. But um, uh, things have changed. Things have changed. Well, and isn't, isn't it true, I guess, through all of our ages and stages of life that we're always having to adapt in one way or another, whether it's we're adapting from youth to young adulthood to childless to having children, from having children to launching them away, it seems that we're always adapting and, and as we age and, you know, I'm climbing up there too, as we age, we're adjusting to the changes of our body and our mind. That's right. That's right. 
That's right. And some of us do it differently than others. I mean, some people will just, you know, be able to do the two-step right into their hundreds, 102, <laughs> 103. Well, and, and, and for you and for me, what my hope, my hope is that whatever the ages and stages bring me next, I hope to handle them with grace and not just sheer frustration, but we don't have control over that all the time. Well, I think you're going to do it well, Betsy. <laughs> well, we'll see. You know, I, you know, everything sounds real great until you face it yourself, right? It's, it's when people tell you that aging is hard. A friend of mine once said, he said, it's like telling somebody that the Grand Canyon is really big. Yeah, <laughs> it's not that big until you're standing right at the cliff, right, and looking right at the canyon and seeing what it really, really how big it really is, and you can't help but say, "Wow." Yeah, it is. It's big. It's big. When the change happens to you, it's a big deal. And so I don't want to minimize that for anybody. And I know also that, that because of your, the speed of your friend, you got care quickly, which was crucial. That is my message. That has become my message. Lots of people have strokes, but unfortunately, they don't come out like I did. They don't walk out of the hospital or they don't talk their way out of the hospital or write their way out uh, because they've been so slammed. Now, I was slammed, no question about it. I had a serious stroke. But a couple of things happened. One, the medics, they got to me very fast. That's my message. Do everything as fast as you can to your friend or your family member or whoever you see struggling with either speech or they can't smile or they can't stand up or raise their hands. Yeah, this isn't the time to delay things and think about it. This is a 911. And the interesting thing about 911 is I, I'm not sure I would have been as quick to call them as Lee was. She'd had some experience because her mother had been ill. So she had called 911 before. So she just opened her phone and called them. I've always thought about, ooh, what what kind of a cascade of events will I be opening once I make that call? Well, first of all, somebody is on the other end, and they will vet the call, whether you they think they should send out the ambulance. In my case, they sent it out, and the ambulance, real the medics who were highly trained, got word back to Marin General. And they were ready for me when I got there with the, it's the clot buster. It's called TPA. It's tissue proglastin activator. And that was what began my turnaround. And then they popped me into another ambulance. And I don't remember any of this. I'm just putting these pieces together. They popped me into another ambulance and took me to UCSF where they immediately operated on me an aerendectomy, which is they put a uh, tube up my groin, up my uh, femoral artery, up into my carotid artery, and pulled out a clot. Hallelujah. I said, what did you do with that clot? 
Well, you wanted to see it? <laughs> I wanted to put it in plexiglass. <laughs> I was going to make a necklace. <laughs> they all shook their head. No, 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 no. Well, clearly this stroke did not rob you of your sense of humor. No. <laughs> Elizabeth, thank you. You know, before we go on, I want to I want to say something. I want to go back to something, and that is, you know, there's a weird full circle thing happening here because I did not know Diane Barnes. I was introduced to her by my co-producer, Angela Washington. I did not know her. I didn't know you knew her. We happened to be kind of from the same region of the country, but I didn't know that we, we had mutual connections. But your friend Lee happened to have been in Diane's one woman show, Stroke of Luck, where she talks about her own stroke. Yes. And that's where your friend Lee got the information to call fast. It was, it's just an amazing little story or big story. You know, I often talk about how storytelling is a life-saving thing. And I, I, in this case, that's true both metaphorically and literally. Yes. That Diane Barnes's story and her producing herself as a one-woman show of that very likely was instrumental in saving your life or saving the quality of your life at the very least. Exactly. Huge. It was huge influence. And you keep using the term fast, the word fast, about how fast they came and how fast they intervened. And in fact, according to ARP, AARP magazine and, and Healthline and all those, there's an acronym FAST for if you're in the presence of somebody who you think is having a stroke, the letters F-A-S-T are really important. The first thing is if you witness facial weakness or uh, they, uh, the person can't smile. So the first letter is face. Right. Look at their face and see if there's something going on. And the A is a stroke can cause muscle weakness and numbness and paralysis on one or both sides. And so ask the person to, if they can lift their arms and if they feel any weakness. And then the, the third one, the S for, for fast, is that strokes can also affect your speech. So if they you ask them a simple question that they should know the answer to, are they unable to recall the words or are they slurring their speech in some way? And lastly, the one that we've already been talking about, the T is time, that do not waste time. You know, Elizabeth, I think a lot of women are really hesitant. We don't want to bother the 911 people. If it's not a big deal, let's wait it out and see if it's not a problem. You know, it'll pass. I think there's a certain amount of that that happens for lots of people, but I hear it more often from women. Yeah. And this is just not the time to worry about inconveniencing anybody. Yeah. Well, that's what they're there for. And that person on the other end of the line will be the person who decides whether to send the medics out to you or not. Yeah, you do, if you're a friend having lunch with a buddy, you don't need to be the one deciding that. Right. Let, let the the nine one one operator determine that. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I had this feeling that oh, I would never call nine one one. Maybe somebody who is really important to this world would be needing that ambulance, not me. That's not how it hmm. works. That is not how it works. Well, not only that, darling friend Elizabeth, you are important to this world. <laughs> oh, thank you, Betsy. <laughs> You're important to the people that you love, to the people who read your stories and see your plays, to your just your contribution. Each of us is important to this world. So there's there's no um there's no VIP tent <laughs> for, for, for this. You're, you're, we're all VIPs here. Yeah. So Elizabeth, you know, I can't help but think I, I know because you've told me that 
the recovery process from this stroke is, this is not a snap of the finger, even though you had the great good fortune of being treated quickly and having comparatively minimal effect, it has not been without effect and that you're having to have some determination to get through this, to get through the other side. What, what kinds of things are you needing to do to recover and to gain more and more of your former self back? I think I'm I'm needing to rest more. I need to do that. I haven't I haven't taken a nap since I've been home from the hospital. And I think in I need to let my body heal a little bit before I try anything big. And how long ago was this by the way? It was the 15th of November. So just a, just a few months ago. A few months ago. But then in the meantime, I've been diagnosed with atrial fibrillation, which was a blow, um, so and and then sleep apnea, uh, which all these things are interwoven hmm. into stroke. So, uh, and I didn't know that. And you're, and I, sh- I should say, you're a person that takes good care of yourself. Yeah, you are active and trim and all those kinds of things. So, so it wouldn't be the kind of thing that you'd look around and think, wow, there's a stroke ready to happen. (laughs) This seemed like an unlikely thing to you. That's right. That's right. I, I, then I have a good diet. Uh, I do all my walking. I get my steps in, but I am still getting my steps in every morning. I do three to 4,000 steps. (laughs) Well, I also can't help but think too, that that you're drawing from a, a pool of tenacity and determination that you've developed for a lifetime to have completed and to have written and been as prolific as you've been, have completed as many projects and not just one type of project, but learning different kinds of modalities from a musical to a play, to a book, to a screenplay, to a series, <laughs> doing all of those things. I'm wondering if some of the same tenacity that you have in your writing life is part of what's helping you these days. I think it is. Uh, it's my love of writing, I think, that's helping me. That's where I feel the most peaceful and the most... Uh, Yourself? Myself, more stabilized when I'm, mm. when I'm working. Um, but, you know, if... if Anybody has to go through this. Uh, just know that there are ways of getting through it. And sometimes it is writing about it. Even if you're not a writer, I find that um, if I can encourage people to write down how they feel and then put it away for a couple of days and come back to it, they will say, oh, I didn't. I didn't realize that that was in me. Hmm. And I think it's really important because it's a reflection of who you are and what you're feeling, which sometimes those feelings are hard to access. Hmm. So you think that in addition to just the, the discipline that it takes to write and to complete projects, it sounds like what you're saying to is that the writing process itself is reparative for you. It is. It is. I'm trying to write that day, but it's a difficult write because I wasn't conscious through the beginning of it. 
but there were little, there are little snips of things that I remember. So I'm kind of creating a surreal uh, set of moments and sounds and lights and things that might mm. be very interesting. Well, I can think of few people more equipped to write about the weird than you. <laughs> you did weird write a good. play. You did write a play about a woman getting eaten by her couch. I think, yes. if, if memory serves me, mornings from the bathtub. <laughs> she was just consumed by her couch. Yes. So, so your your sense of the macabre and the strange and the peculiar and the humorous um, is part of what is going here. And, and I'm pleased to know that that's alive and well and wonderful. I want to reiterate for our listeners, the importance of understanding a, the symptoms of a stroke, not just for yourself, but for your companions and even the companions that you don't think would be the stroke victim, you know, your physically fit friend, that it's fast. F-A-S-T. First, if you can observe facial weakness, if somebody has asked them to smile, ask them to, for A, ask them to raise their arms, see if they're feeling any numbness or they're having difficulty lifting an arm. See if their speech is affected, either that they can't recall a certain word or they're slurring it. And most important of all, time. Don't waste any. Call. Don't call, waste time. Call, call. Yes. Elizabeth Appel, I'm so grateful you're here, grateful that you called me and said, hey, I got to share this because people need to know this. I'm so appreciative that you would uh, once again share with such a generous spirit what you know so that others can learn from it as well. I strongly advise folks look up Elizabeth Appel and her beautiful stories from plays to books and all of those things, you can find them at Elizabeth Appellant's A-P-P-E-L-L. If you're listening on your car radio, you can look that up when you get home. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. I'm so grateful to have you in my writing community, in my women's community, and now as part of the Morning Glory community. Thanks so much for being here. Betsy, thank you for allowing me to share. I'm so grateful that my friend Elizabeth Appel called me and said, hey, this happened to me and I want to share this story because it's really important to get the message out of how to help somebody in the middle of a stroke. And she gave us very practical methods for taking care of that. You know, I always say that storytelling is life-saving. I mean that on so many levels. I believe that stories, just for their inspiration, for their hope-giving, for their metaphorical life-giving, are indeed life-saving. But in this case, this is literal life-saving. That The fact that Elizabeth's friend was in the audience of someone telling her story, and she got information that helped Elizabeth continue to live her story. <laughs> There's some kind of what Elizabeth Gilbert calls big magic about that. I rather like it. You know, the other thing in terms of an extra bloom that Elizabeth talked about that I want to emphasize a little bit, and that is that part of her recovery process is writing and telling this story. 
and writing and telling all of her stories, her imagined and her lived ones. I wonder how much writing for me has been a life-giving thing, that it's a way for me to take a story out of the dark chambers of myself and put it out to where I can look at it and witness it, where it can be witnessed by others, if that's appropriate, or just for yourself. It's interesting to me that that's part of her stroke recovery and that it's in her writing room that she feels the most at home. Whether you're a writer or not for other purposes, if you're going through a challenge, either an emotional one or a physical one, the process of writing about it can be so restorative and reparative. A number of the guests on the Morning Glory Project have talked about that. We've had other people that are recovering from traumatic brain injury, people that are recovering from abuse. This story thing, it's no small deal, people. It's about as close as I come to a religion. That's some pretty good extra blooms. Thanks so much for listening to the Morning Glory Project, and I hope that you are safe and well and happy, and that you are finding a way to tell your own story in your own way, and that that is helping you to bloom. Bloom.